sheet out and just fill out the front of it sometime throughout the remainder of the service. So we would really appreciate that. And again, I don't care if you're writing while I'm up here. And you know, just make sure you get that filled out. And we won't do anything weird with your information. It's just a good way for you to communicate with us. We're beginning God at the Movies today, and first up we'll be looking at, as you can tell, Robin Hood, the recent release of Robin Hood. Has anybody seen this movie? All right, we got, we got not very many. That's good. I mean, could be good, I guess. Most of you know the story of Robin Hood. This is a little different, a little, little different take on it, but now I don't know about you, but whenever I think of Robin Hood, I always think of the Men in Tights movie. Whatever you think of Robin. I haven't necessarily seen that movie, but that's what I always think of, is guys in tights dancing out in the woods and doing that kind of stuff. But this new version of uh, with Russell Crowe, it's sort of a prequel to, uh, to Robin Hood. It's how he got into the position of being the outlaw that lives out in Sherwood Forest with his band of merry men. It shows a hero behind the outlaw. Now, at one point in the movie, and I don't want to get into all of it, as, you know, because in case you guys want to go see that, there comes a point in the movie where he, he comes across this sword that has a saying that's inscribed on the hilt of the sword. And there, there's something about this saying that so intrigues him ab- about this that he decides to go on a quest to return this sword back to the family in which the, it came from so that he can try to find out the history behind this saying that is on the sword. Now, he, he does this he meets the patriarch of the family, and he, he discovers that there is a link between his own dad, who died while he was young, who died while, while Robin was a kid, and this phrase that so intrigues him. Now, I want to show you a clip from the movie, and this is a flashback of that Robin is remembering. He was a little kid. He's with his dad, and his dad tells him to commit this phrase to memory. So let's, let's watch this. Your father was a philosopher. He had a way of speaking that took you by the ears and by the heart. None of these things can be written down, Robin. You must commit them to your very soul. This is the science of memory. Rise and rise again until lambs become lions. (laughs) Finally, hundreds listened, thousands who took up his call for the rights of all ranks, from baron to serf. Rise and rise again, until lambs become lions. So he remembers his dad telling him about this, and you didn't see it in this clip, but this phrase, rise and rise again, until lambs become lions, it's on your listening guide so you can see that. It means to never give up. It means to keep fighting for that which is right, to persevere, and this sets the stage for the rest of Robin's life. Never give up. Never give up. Now, you may come in here this morning discouraged. You may be ready to throw in a towel on something. You, be, you may be ready to make a change just for change's sake, you know, just to, just to do something different. But what I want to do today as we go through this is I want to help you to not give up, and I want to help you get your passion back because passion is what makes things great in this life. Passion is what mobilizes armies to go out and sacrifice themselves in battles. Passion is what drives scientists 
to find new cures for diseases. Passion is what equips athletes to break records. And passion is what sustains you as you go through life to achieve the goals that you have in your life. Nothing great is done without passion. Passion turns the impossible into the possible. It energizes life. Now, without passion in your life, it's going to be dull, and it's going to be just, I mean, just flat-out boring. God wants you to live a passionate life. One day, a man came up to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, what's the most important thing that I need to learn out of the entire Bible? If there's just one thing I get down, what is it that I need to get down? And Jesus, he said, okay, I'm going to summarize this for you. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of the entire Bible. And he said, you, you need to get these two things down. And this is what he said. This is in Mark chapter 12. He tells us what these two things are. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So Jesus is saying here there are two things, really, that matter in this life. Love God and love other people. That's what matters the most. And this is what we have adopted as our mission here as a church at, at, at Freedom Ridge, to love God, to love people, and by doing these things, we're going to be changing our part of the world. So Jesus, he's saying here, no, we've, you know, we've got to notice this here. He's saying you can't love God. You can't love God and you can't love people in some half-hearted, wimpy way. He said you've got to do it passionately. You've got to do it with everything that you've got, with everything that you have, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And I love the message paraphrase of this verse. It says, to love the Lord your God with all your passion, all your prayer, all your intelligence, and all of your energy. So God is saying, you've got to give it all that you've got. You've got to give it 100%. This isn't for wimps, what I'm talking about here. That's what he was saying. So he's saying, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a follower of me, you've got to live your life with passion, and you've got to give it everything that you've got. Now, the Bible uses the phrase, with all, you, all of your hearts, you know, several times. It says we're to seek God passionately with all of our heart. We're to serve God passionately with all of our heart. We're to obey God with all of our heart. We're to trust him with all of our heart. And then in Colossians 3.23, God says this. He says, whatever you do, and this is a suggested memory verse for the week. It says, whatever you do, do it, all with, do it with all of your heart as unto the Lord and not unto men. So he's saying no matter what you do, you do it passionately. You do it with all of your heart. Never do anything half-heartedly. If you're going to do it, if it's worth doing, then do it with all of your heart. Now, the amazing thing about our culture that, that we live in nowadays is it is perfectly fine for you to be passionate about anything as long as it's not God. Now, if, I, if I were to go to a sporting event, you know, I could go there, I could yell, I could scream, I could jump up and down, I could raise my hands and scream my head off when my team scores, and you know, when we lose, I can lay down on the floor and cry when we win, I can jump up and down and turn in circles going, woohoo, woohoo, and people look at me and they say, man, there's a fan. 
But if I come into church and I do something like that, people look at me and say, now there's a weirdo. That guy's missing a few marbles up there. It's like it's appropriate to get excited about anything in this life unless it's God. But Jesus is saying, you've, if you're going to follow me, you've got to do it with all of your heart. You've got to do it with everything that you have. Romans chapter 12, verse 11, that says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. I want you to circle the word keep there on your listening guide because this means something to us. This means right here, it is not automatic. You don't stay on fire for God automatically. It's got to be maintained. You must rise and rise again. You've got to stoke the, the, the flames there. You've got to stoke the fire. You've got to keep your spiritual passion burning in your life. Now, when I'm talking about passion here, no, we need to point out that it has nothing to do with age. Old people can be passionate. Little kids can be passionate. It has nothing to do with your personality either. You know, you can't say, well, I'm shy. You know, I'm withdrawn and introverted. Don't look at me. You know, I can't be passionate. You don't have to be an extrovert to be passionate. So what happens? Where does our zeal go a lot of times in our life? Now, some of you, you can remember the day you graduated from high school or the day that you graduated from college. And if you haven't graduated from high school yet, you know, you're looking forward to that. And, you know, w when you graduated, you were so passionate about that day. You're thinking, man, this is fantastic. You know, that life is great. All my required education is now behind me. I have no more I, I have to do. I've done my time. The world is out there. It is mine. I'm going out there, and I'm going to conquer this thing. You've had great hope, great enthusiasm, great passion as you go in and you enter the adult life. But what happens? Well, after a while, the zest, the joy in our life, it just kind of goes away and it just kind of fades because life becomes so daily, so mundane just routine. Same place, same thing, same time, over and over and over again. And the dreams that you have, the enthusiasm that you had, it begins to gather dust. Now, it's a predictable pattern as you go through this. The first thing is you get the blahs. You, know, you just kind of, kind of get down in the dumps a little bit. And then the second thing, you begin to lower the expectations that you have in your life, and you, know, you kind of just start to lower those things down. And then the third thing you do is you begin to question things around you. And then inevitably, if you let things spiral down out of control, you're going to get into, or very near to, a full-blown case of depression. So what happens? Why don't you have the enthusiasm that you used to have at one point in your life? Why don't you still feel the same way about your job or about your marriage, or about your relationship, or about whatever, you can fill in the blank there. Why don't you still feel the same way about these things? Why aren't you as close to God? Why aren't you as on fire for God as you used to be? I mean, what happened? You know, when people first become a follower of Jesus, I mean, they're on fire. They're crazy. I mean, they are just out there doing all sorts of things, but it fades. What happens? 
Well, whenever that kind of thing happens in your life, you have fallen prey to a passion killer in your life, either one or more of these things that we're going to talk about. And what I want to do is I want to talk about these things. I want you to be aware of these things so that when you see them coming and you see them entering in your life, you will be able to rise and rise again and never give up and always continue to fight and not lose sight of that which is really important in your life. So the first passion killer that comes along is an unclear purpose. An unclear purpose. Living without purpose is the most common reason why people lack passion in their life. Because without a purpose for living, why bother? And why even get out of bed in the morning? Well, let's just stay in bed and sleep and you know, watch TV or DVDs all day. Robin and his friends in, in, the, in the movie, they saw no point in continue fighting in the king's army after the king was killed. Because their purpose had died with the king. And so they decided they would escape and that they would go home. But on their way home, he came across that sword I mentioned at the, at the beginning. And when he returned the sword back to the Loxleys, to the, to the family, he discovered his purpose. It is to fight tyranny and to stand up for the weak. That was his new purpose in life. But the fact is, you know, when you think about life, you know, it's pretty futile if you don't have a purpose, if you don't have a reason. Without purpose, life is passionless. There's no reason to have enthusiasm or to have joy over the long haul in our life. And you may feel like Isaiah did in chapter 49, verse 4, where he says, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. You ever felt like that before? felt like that before, haven't we? On the other hand, a clear purpose, it produces, it promotes passion. The greater your purpose in life, the more passion you're going to have in life. You know, you're going to be more excited about doing things. Robin's new purpose, his new pa- it created a passion with him. He sacrificed personal pleasures, made a lot of personal sacrifices so that he could fulfill this new purpose that he had. But just think about it. If you have a little dinky purpose, like I'll live for myself, this little dinky purpose, you're not going to have much passion in your life. If you have a medium-sized passion and you're going, or a purpose and you're going to have mediocre passion in your life. But if you get God's purpose for your life, if you get what he wants you to do and you realize that you're working for him and that, that, that you're working for his kingdom, that you're part of his family, then you commit yourself to his purpose, then you're going to have this huge, gigantic amount of passion in your life. There's nothing more significant in this life than being what God made you to be and fulfilling that purpose that he has for you. So an unclear purpose An unclear purpose will kill the passion in your life. Now, for the second passion killer, you don't have to look any further than your schedule, which is what it is, an unbalanced schedule. We all struggle with this one. Whether you're overworked or whether you are underworked, either way you tend to lose the passion that you have. And why is that? Because we've got to have a balance We've got to have this balance in our life between our input and our output. 
There's got to be a happy median there. Now, some people are always giving out. They're always giving out in their life. They're always helping. They're always serving. They're always doing. They're always caring. They're always giving. They're always doing all sorts of these things. But they never take in and they never take time to sit down and recharge. Now, if you're like that this morning, you're probably thinking, I don't even want to listen to this message. I just want to go home and go to bed. I just want to go to sleep right now. Well, if that's you, you have something that is called compassion fatigue. It just wears you out. And eventually what happens, if you're always giving out, and you're never taking it in, but you're always giving out, you're just going to stop caring. You'll stop caring about yourself, stop caring about the things around you, and eventually you'll stop caring about God. And it's going to affect you. But there's a flip side to this. There's always people who are always taken in. They're always taken in. They're attending another seminar. They're listening to another podcast or another tape or whatever. You know, they're doing something else. They're studying. You know, they're always taken in, but they never do anything about it. That's one of the problems with too much Bible study. Yeah, I said it. Can you study the Bible too much? Yeah, you can. You can study the Bible too much. Because if you just study the Bible and you take it in, but you never do anything about it, it's going to eventually create a lack of passion in your life for that very thing that you're studying. Because the Bible is something that is meant to be done. It is something that is meant to be out there. So we've got to work on that output. Now, fortunately, God's given us a solution to this. This is 1 Timothy 4, 7. He says, take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. It takes time. You know, it takes some trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. You know, it's good to be physically fit. It's not easy to do it. You know, you've got to make that commitment to work out, to exercise, to eat all the right foods, and usually those are the ones that don't taste very good, but, you know, you've got to eat all the right stuff for you. But, you know, just like it takes a balance to be physically fit, we've got to do the same thing with our spiritual life. We've got to be spiritually fit also. And there's got to be a balance there. It takes time and it takes trouble to do that. So an unbalanced schedule is a passion killer. And then number three is an unconfessed sin. An unconfessed sin is also a passion killer. And there are a few things in your life that will rob your joy, that will rob your passion more quickly than an unconfessed sin and the guilt that comes from that. The guilt that builds up in our life. Now what, what we do a lot of times when we have this in our life, we, just, we try to rationalize it. We try to explain it away. We don't think about it. And we, you know, what we're doing is subconsciously, we're just pushing it down, but it's still affecting our life. It's still going to be a passion killer. In Psalm chapter 38, verses 4 and 6, it says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought low. You cannot feel enthusiasm and guilt at the same time. It just doesn't work. Now, some of you are overwhelmed this morning. Undoubtedly, you're overwhelmed. You're trying to be enthusiastic. You're trying to put on the happy face. You know, you're trying, trying to be good. You're trying to be happy. But there is this guilt in your life that if you're honest with yourselves and honest with other people, it is smashing down your joy. 
So how can I get rid of this guilt? Now, fortunately, it's potentially one of the easiest ones for us to solve when it comes to passion in our lives. And we'll look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, a verse we read a lot around here. It's very true. If we confess our sins, God can be trusted to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So all I have to do is take it to God. I have to tell it to Him, admit to Him the truth about who I am and what I've done, and ask Him to forgive me. I've got to ask Him that and ask Him to help me start living a new life again. Now, just a few weeks ago, we did a whole lesson time on how to forgive yourself. It's on our podcast. If you missed that one or want to go listen to it again, you can go online and listen to it there. There'll be some good things there for you. But as soon as I notice that something's wrong, as soon as I realize that something's wrong, I immediately go to God. I confess it. I'm honest to Him about it. And then I get back to living life again. Unconfessed sin is a passion killer. Then, number four, an unresolved conflict. An unresolved conflict. Have you ever started the day, you know, you wake up, you jump out of bed, and you think, man, this is going to be a fantastic day. You know, I'm excited about today. And then you have a fight with your spouse, and, you know, all your zip goes out of your doodah. That ever happened to you before? You know, it's one of those things. It's just one of those things right there where an unresolved conflict in our life, it eats away at the passion that we have in our life. And, you know, it, it's like letting the air out of a tire. It just goes flat. Early on in the, in the movie with, with Robin, it shows how Robin and little John, they meet up. And when they first meet, it's not under the best of circumstances because in the movie, little John, he accuses Robin of being a cheat and, you know, just basically being a criminal, not being fair to people. And they have a fight. I mean, they're knocking stuff down. They're punching each other. Pretty good part of the movie. But, you know, they, they're, they're just having this huge fight. But after that, they end up becoming friends. There was no unresolved conflict whatsoever between them. Now, some of you, you may have a situation at home or at work or at school or wherever, wherever in your life where you have this constant conflict going on and you can't change it. You know, there's nothing that you can do about it, but what do you do? What, what are you supposed to do here? How do you keep that kind of stuff from draining the passion out of your life? What do we do here? No, well, here's what you can do about this. If you want to be passionate, you know, no matter what the conflict is that's going on in your life, then you have to avoid three passion-killing emotions that try to creep up in our life sometimes. Okay, and I'm going to read a couple verses, and then I'll have you, I think I'll have you circle some words here. Job chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Resentment destroys the fool, and jealousy kills the simple. And then the verse, or chapter 18, verse 4, it says, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. So there's three passion-killing emotions listed in the, these verses right here, and they are resentment, jealousy, and anger. And by anger, it's a prolonged anger. It's the wrong kind of anger. There's the right kind of anger, but we're not going to get into that right now. It's a wrong kind of anger there. 
These things can kill your passion. And that right there is why God tells us over and over and over again, you've got to forgive other people. You've got to forgive them because he knows what it does to us. If we hold on to a, to a grudge, it's allowing that other person to keep control over our life right now. They're controlling the situation. You know, and that's dumb when we do that, but we do that a lot of times. So by allowing somebody to do that, by holding a grudge, these other people are controlling the amount of passion that we have. So if we want to get our passion back in our life, then we've got to learn to forgive. We've got to learn to let go. So you have the unresolved conflict. And then number five, you have the unsupported lifestyle. This means that sometimes you, you, you lose your passion just out of loneliness. You lose it out of loneliness because you're trying to go through life all alone. Now, we've talked about this many times. God never meant for you to go through life as a solo act. You know, the, living a Christian life, there's no Lone Ranger Christians out there. We've got to have people around us. Whether you're married, whether you're single, you need relationships. Human beings were created to have others around, to have relationships. That's just how God wired us up. We've got to have that. And that's why the most serious form of punishment is solitary confinement. Because eventually the person's going to break. So you need to get people in your life who can be there, who can help you when you're going through problems in, in your life. Now Robin Hood, he had his merry men <laughs> who were always, always watching his back. You can team tackle problems when you have other people around you, you know, that you're never, ever going to solve on your own. They can encourage you. They can support you. They can kick you in the rear end when you need a good old kick in the rear end. But if you try to go through life all on your own, you know, without anybody, and you stand back and think, I can handle this. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody around me. The passion is going to slowly drain out of your life, and then someday you're going to look back and think, where did it go? What happened to it? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says two are better than one because if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the fool who falls down. That's a quick preview of the A-team in, in a couple weeks when we do that. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. So if you try to face life all alone without anybody around you, your passion is going to disappear. Okay, it's just a given. Now, the number six passion killer, it's the biggest one of all here because it's the root of all of these others that, that we have talked about, and this is the cause of all the others. But it is, number six, an undernourished spirit. An undernourished spirit. At its root, passion is a spiritual issue. It's a matter of the heart. You cannot restore your passion with money or with a pill or with any other thing like that, you know, with anything physical. It's got to come from the inside because it's a matter of the heart. Believe it or not, you're more than just a body. God gave you a spirit. He gave you the ability to talk with him, to commune with him, and so you've got to, you know, nourish your spirit. 
Every week, there are circumstances or situations that will come into your life that are, they are just conspiring to trip you up. They're just, you know, they're just there to make life miserable for you and try to get you to screw up. Situations like when people are rude to you, or when they criticize you, or when people misjudge you, or situations like whenever you face disappointment. You know, just because you're alive, just because you are breathing, you are going to face, on a weekly, if not a daily basis, problems and pains that's going to come along, situations that, you know, that you're going to be tempted to worry about that are just there to trip you up, and you spend a lot of time on those, and you're just going to end up being bone-tired. Now, if you don't nourish your spirit, your heart's going to grow cold, your heart's going to grow hard, your spirit will shrink, you will shrivel up, and in old age, you're going to be that crotchety, old, cranky person that lives down the street that nobody wants to be around. And you don't want that to happen, do you? So we've got to nourish our spirit. What's the antidote here? You intentionally nourish, you intentionally feed your spirit, but how do we do that? Look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. See to it that you were Go, that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous. So if you want passion in your life for your entire life, you've got to get plugged into God. That's simple as that. You've got to get plugged into Him. Did you know that God is passionate about getting to know you? He's passionate about having you plugged into Him, getting your nourishment from Him. In Exodus 34, verse 14 it says, you must worship only the Lord, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Now, this, this might be mind-boggling when, when you really sit down and contemplate this and think about this, but the creator of the universe, you know, the guy who created everything, you know, all the stars, everything in the universe, everything that you see here, you yourself, the God who created all of that, he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to have that connection with him, to get your nourishment from him. And it's not just something that's on the back burner. It's not just something that is kind of on his to-do list. He is passionate about it. He wants you to be plugged in to him. And if that doesn't amaze you, then you just don't understand the implications of it. The creator of the universe wants you to know him. He wants you to know him and to have a relationship, have that connection that is vital and passionate in your life. And some of you are in crisis mode. You're living in crisis mode. You know, you're spending all your time. You're trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to keep all these balls that I'm juggling in my life right now up in the air and not falling down on the floor? This unhealthy pace of life is draining the passion out of your life. So what's one of these passion killers 
is robbing your joy? Which one is doing it? Don't let it beat you. Don't let it defeat you. But it is time for you to rise and rise again and never give up. If you pull out your PR sheet, let's look at some of the things on the back there. Under the section, My Next Step. These are there. These are designed for you just to look at and to kind of help remind you of what we've talked about and to take these and to apply it to your life so that it can make a difference in your life. Because you don't have to leave here the same person. Okay, you can leave here changed, but it's your choice if that happens. If you want to memorize a memory verse, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, you can mark that box there if you want to take up that challenge. Do you tend to live in crisis mode? Do you tend to live in crisis mode? Yes or no? Answer that question. And then just answer this one. I will rise and rise again until lambs become lions. Meaning again, never give up. Do you say my relationship with God, my following Jesus, is important enough that I'm not going to quit, that I'm not going to let life get me down, but I'm going to keep rising and rising again? So answer these questions. Apply this to your life. Just a moment, we'll have a time of communion, and this is something that we do every Sunday here at, at Freedom Ridge. and We do this in remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It makes all of this possible, makes that connection, that relationship with God that God is so passionate about. That's what makes that possible is a sacrifice that Jesus made by dying on the cross and rising up again for the forgiveness of our sins. And so as the communion is passed, you can take the little piece of bread, which represents Jesus' body, the little cup of juice that represents his blood that he so willingly and lovingly shed in his sacrifice for us. And then you can just take them on your own time if you'd like to. If you don't want to take it, then just pass it on. We won't look down on you for doing that. We just want to make it available to you. And then after that, we'll take up an offering. This is how we support the mission and the vision here at Freedom Ridge. And if you're visiting with us, don't feel obligated to give. We're just glad that you're here with us today. You know, one thing I do ask is you just finish filling out your PR sheet, and as a blue offering bag goes by, you can throw the, your PR sheet into the offering bag, if you would do that, please. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we want to be passionate and enthusiastic for life. We want to keep on. We don't want to give up. We want to rise and rise again. We want to get up in the morning. We want to look forward to the day ahead. And, you know, we just want to love you passionately. And we want to love others, too, passionately. So we ask right now that you just restore the joy of our salvation. Help us to remember all that you've done for us. Help us to take the time and the trouble to nourish our spirit every day, spending time getting to know you better, and then releasing that and helping that to, or using that to make a change in other people's lives. So give us the power to make the course corrections that we need to make to live a more balanced, passionate life. And God, we just thank you so much for this time of communion and for your great love that makes our relationship with you possible. So as we take communion now, help us to do it in remembrance of the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. It's in your name we pray. Amen.